As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, happy homecoming, Colin. Hey, what's crapping? Let's do this. Yeah, it'll be nice to play a team that's not one of the top 10 defenses in the country. Yeah, that will be probably good for our offense. Yeah, we're 2-4, and four and we get a little bit, I guess, of a reprieve against a non-conference opponent in the Conference USA. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we're going to come out and kick them in the teeth, or do you think we're going to struggle against uh, these guys? I don't know. I I would hope that we kick them in the teeth, though the last two weeks have not given me any confidence that we're teeth-kicking type of team. Yeah. But uh, I think we should win this game. I don't have much concern that we'll lose this game. My biggest concern is, is we'll win this game, but we won't look great doing it. That's as big of that's as scary as anything. Yeah, I think this game will, if anything else, will tell us a lot about Drew Locke this season, how he rebounds from two of the worst performances of his college career, really. Yeah, this is, his, his quarterback rating against Florida was negative 84. So that's, you know, that's not good. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound good. I'm, I'm going to fact check those numbers. Please don't. <laughs> so I got, it, I got them directly from Donald Trump's uh, Twitter account, so... Just believe me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, you know, it should be should be a lot of fun. There should be hopefully a big crowd out being homecoming and all and kicks off the spore game stretch where we've got teams that we really, really have to beat. And um, I think this will be an indicator whether we're capable of doing that. Well, you know, I, was, I heard uh, some people saying, you know, they would like to at least split two and four, you know, three and four would be great. Now, I want to go 4-0 and in this stretch. Agreed. We need to go 4 in this stretch. If you want to really look at this team, say it's going in the right direction, and have a positive outlook on next season, this needs to be a 4-0 and stretch to really take this season and turn it into something we can be happy with. If we manage to do that, I think we've got a much different look outlook on what this team is than we do right now. If we don't, then I think it's going to be pretty depressing November. Well, I think what you're always building to, if you're Mizzou, is you're not going to be LSU, and you're not going to be Alabama, but you're going to jump up and have seasons where you compete with those types of teams. And before you can jump up and, and move into that stratosphere, you have to be definitively better than the mediocre run. And I, I feel like Mizzou is stuck right now in that mediocre Kentucky Vanderbilt South Carolina mire right now, and in years past, we'll jump up and we give the Georgias and the Floridas and maybe even the LSUs all they want. But we can't jump into that stratosphere and get to that place until we get out of this muck and this mire that is mediocrity uh, in the East. So, you know, if we get these four wins, it makes you say, hey, we're better than all these teams, and we can stop worrying about being better than them and start worrying about being as good as some of that top tier talent. Yeah, the things I'm going to look for besides Drew Locke, I'm interested to see the percentage of snaps that go to Demaria Crockett versus Ish Witter. Uh, I think we're really kind of getting an indication from both the coaching staff and just seeing the snaps in the last game or so that Crockett is gaining confidence from his coaching staff. And he's just like we've talked about in past episodes, he's got much higher upside. And then, of course, our receiving core if more than than Jamon Moore can be targeted, and if Jamon Moore is targeted, if he can actually reel in the fucking pass. Well, that's as much. I mean, I blame this passing offense and the, and the problems as much as you know, obviously on Drew Locks. I do Jamon Moore, 
because Jamon Moore has proven that he is an inconsistent receiver at best, you know, and I don't know what Chris Black is, but without Drew Locke really throwing him the ball, it's hard to know, or, or any of these other receivers. The ball needs to get spread around a little bit more. Um, Jamon has become the number one receiver really without earning it, in my opinion. Uh, I think the coaching staff needs to start looking in another direction to see if somebody else is willing to make a play, because Jamon has proven he's not going to be that. At least not right now. So give give Chris Black an opportunity. You know, give Sean Colkin an opportunity. Give somebody else an opportunity to make some plays because Jamon right now is uh, disappointing to say the least. Yeah, I think uh, I saw that Chris Black only took one snap from scrimmage against uh, Florida last week, which is has a lot of questions from that. Well, I mean, I don't care if it's Chris Black. I just try another receiver. You know, one of these guys, you know, has got to be something. You know, Manuel Hall, give him a shot. I don't care who it is, but I know, I feel like I know at this point what Jamon Moore is, and I don't like it. So please, you know, see if one of these other guys will come out of their shell a little bit if you'll give them that opportunity. Well, let's see what uh, some people smarter than us have to say about it. We had Seth Marenbloom from Campus Press Box on to uh, give us his take on how the Tigers might perform this week, and then uh, interviewed. Chip Walters, the play-by-play guy for Middle Tennessee, to tell us a little bit about this Blue Raider team and see what they're all about, I guess. Blue Raider? They're the Blue Raiders. Real weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, does that not strike fear in your heart? <laughs> it does not. It does not. <laughs> well, that's whatever that means, that's what they are, the Blue Raiders. Oh, the Middle Tennessee Technicolor Dreamcoats? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I got a quiz for you about Middle Tennessee. Yeah, what's that? Do you know what part of Tennessee they come from? <laughs> I'm gonna say the middle. <laughs> you are nailed a smart. It. You are a smart football analyst. You got Fucking that one. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, Colin. Let's uh, let's hear what these guys have to say. And uh, M I Z. Z O U. And it's throwing slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. This is the Mazad Cat. With us now, the play-by-play man for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, Chip Walters. Thanks for joining us, Chip. Appreciate the time tonight. It's always interesting when we get these non-conference games about teams we don't know much about. Uh, reading up a little bit about Middle Tennessee, one thing that uh, it appears this team is defined by is the passing game. And Missouri struggled a little bit on defense, but they have some faith in their secondary. Tell me a little bit about this Middle Tennessee offense and, and the air raid it looks like they're going to be bringing to Columbia this weekend. Well, you know, on, on first glance, you're exactly right. But the offense at middle runs, the passing game does get a lot of attention. Brent Stockstall, our quarterback, was a freshman All-American a year ago. Our wide receiver, Richie James, one of 19 guys who caught passes this year, also a freshman All-American. So, and Richie, he, here he is six games into his sophomore season. He's already caught 149 balls. So, yeah, there, there is a lot of the, the passing game does get a lot of attention. But the thing that we found and, and have seen uh, over Rick Stockstill's career as head coach 
because they've been a spread team pretty much the entire time he's been here. Just kind of different versions of it. We're now in the Tony Franklin 2.0 version. He was here in 2009 for one season, and he's now he's back again this year. Is that this offense is at its best when you can combine the passing game with a power running game, and 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 Middle has been able to do that. Octavius Mathers already has 700 plus yards this season. He's number three in the nation in scoring. So uh, the the thing that's been you know fun for fans to watch is kind of one of the kryptonite terms. It, it, with the spread offense is bubble screen, and that has not necessarily been the case. This has been more of a, you know, down the field, more of a vertical pass game. Brent Stockstill is the guy who makes it, makes it go, and as most teams who run a spread attack, there's a ton of run-pass option type plays within the, the framework of the offense, and that's, and so... You know, you've got to have a guy who can make the decision at the spur of the moment, you know, make the reads. And depending on if it is an RPO, a run-pass option type play, is is what you're seeing defensively conducive to the run or to the pass. So, you know, they've they've had a lot of success uh, so far, uh, 4-2 on the year. Losses, uh, a one-point double overtime loss to Western Kentucky, in a, in a game, excuse me, that both teams, you know, had during the fourth quarter, it was an amazing game that both teams had 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 times during that fourth quarter where they had the game won and also had the game lost, and and it ended up going to overtime, and and there was a, a blocked PAT that uh, turned out to be the one point difference. But you know, there's a whole lot of plays in any game leading up to something like that that could have made a, a difference in how things played out. But the the, the thing is, it's a, it's a fun offense to watch. Uh, it it, it uh, generates a, a lot of yards. Middle's one of the top one of the top ten teams in total offense and passing offense. Brent Stockstall is in the sophomore quarterback and coach's son top ten in the country in five different NCAA passing categories. So uh, offensively, while the passing game is something that gets a lot of attention, it is a pretty balanced, uh, I mean, from a standpoint of the 21st century versions of the spread, it, it is something that, that can a- attack from different ways. And also, uh, you know, they, they do a good job of, of, of scouting and, and trying to put together a game plan according to who we're playing. So, you know, middle had over 500 yards offense against Vanderbilt, which is considered one of the better offenses in the country. Turnovers that night turned out to be the the, the Raiders' undoing, and and it's not a team that has turned the ball over a lot. But against a very good defense against Vanderbilt, and give them credit, uh, they forced some turnovers, and uh, so it'll be interesting because uh, you know Barry puts out uh, very good defense, and, and and what he's trying to build there and putting in this system. Uh, that he's putting in, it'll be an interesting chess match as the day goes along. Yeah, it's it's tough for us in Missouri when we play at a conference to gauge 
what the opponent might be like. You mentioned the loss to Vanderbilt. I think that was a game where the score doesn't really tell the tale. I think it was a close game up until the fourth quarter. Like you said, 4-2 and two record overall with that one very close loss to Western Kentucky. One thing I noticed outside of what looks like a complete laugher at Alabama A&M where you won 55 to nothing, and then a North Texas win 30-13, to it does look like that the Blue Raiders have given up quite a few points in some games. Is is the defense a concern, or is is that an anomaly that I'm reading too much into? Well, you know, it's it's it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, and I'll give you a, a, an example. Tyrone Nix, who is the defensive coordinator at Middle East, you know, been a defensive coordinator at Ole Miss in South Carolina before, and he and I were sitting in the defensive staff room one day and, and he gets up at the whiteboard and because I asked him something very similar to that. I said, does it concern you about yards and things like that? And and he goes, Chip, here's the most unimportant word in college football today. And he wrote the word yards. And then he, he goes, here's the most important part, the most important word, and that was points. And when you, you say, okay, they've given up some points, well, Louisiana Tech is – as good as middle offensively, they're 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 prolific. Western Kentucky is a prolific offense. Middle did win fairly handily against North Texas, thirty to thirteen. Well, they came back the next week and beat Marshall, which uh, that kind of gets your attention and kind of makes you feel like, well, that you know that that win might even be a little better than you thought. And and then the Vandy game, you you leave there. You know, not feeling real good about how you played, and all of a sudden they go and they are able to beat Western Kentucky in Bowling Green by one, and then they uh, win by one at Georgia, which is never an easy place to win. So it, it, it is, it, it's a bit of an anomaly, and I don't really have a great answer for you because Middle's given up a lot of yards, but when you look at NCAA stats, it has been there in the top 30 in the country. In defensive red zone, they're one of the better teams in the country on third down defense. Uh, they've given up a couple of big plays that have allowed games to get closer, maybe than they should have. But uh, and it's a and it's a team that that uh, it's a defense that lost from last year's team a a third round draft pick, uh, Kevin Byard, who's now with the Tennessee Titans, and also one of the top five all-time tacklers uh, and a young man named T.T. Barber who had over 300 career tackles. So, you know, they have been a a defense that has been in in a growing mode, but all of the guys who stepped up, they only returned four starters this year, but the seven guys who moved into starting roles this year were all guys who played significant time as the number two at their position. So it was it was a natural progression for them to move into that. So while you say, oh, again, here's another one of those anomalies, they only return four starters, but they are by and large still a pretty veteran defense uh, when you look at overall experience. Well, what are your expectations coming into Columbia against a 2-4 and four Tigers team, but in a hostile homecoming environment in Faroe Field this weekend? Can you give me a prediction? Hard to, you know, I don't give predictions, uh, you know, and, and it's, I think it will be, it will be a, a, a challenge in particular, uh, up front. Missouri's offensive line, who is very, very big, uh, they average about 314 per man across the front. Uh, 
and coached, by the way, uh, by a Middle Tennessee alum, Glenn Ellerby. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very, very talented and very good. And, you know, Missouri's one of those places that has had a knack of getting really good defensive linemen. So far, Middle has only allowed four sacks in six games, the Middle offensive line. They've been able to keep Brent Stockstill upright. And part of that is, yeah, they've done a good job. But, again, I go back to the spread offenses. Spread offenses, by nature, get rid of the ball quickly. Right. And, uh, whether, and, and so you don't get as many opportunities. The, the key now, instead of sacks, is making that quarterback uncomfortable by putting them, you know, getting them out of the pocket, getting them on the move, making them not as comfortable as they were by just getting that shotgun snap or, or whatever. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the keys in, in this game will be if middle can force Missouri into third and six plus, I think they have a bit of an, uh, I think that is, that will be a plus uh, on the offensive side if, Octavius Mathers is some the running back is somewhere near a hundred yards uh, running the football. I think that that gives Middle a shot. And and as far as the atmosphere, that's not been you know Middle's played in every SEC stadium except Auburn uh, in the last ten years. So that 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 all factor is is no longer existent. So I, I, I think it's going to be a heck of a football game and. and when you look at a lot of the different websites that put out previews and things like that, most most of those seem to think the same thing. So if it's anything like the last time a middle came to, to Columbia, it, it should be a good game. In, in that one, uh, for your listeners, if they don't remember, in 03, middle led by eight late in the fourth quarter, punted to Missouri, who had the ball inside their own 10, Brad Smith, put together a 90-plus yard drive that ended up had a couple of big runs in, in that drive. They scored, got the two, sent the game to overtime, and and uh, ironically enough, after missing a kick last week, uh, here we come back to Missouri where that game came down to a missed extra point, being a 41-40 game. I think it's going to be 35-31 one way or the other. I have, have, have no idea which way it's going to go. Uh, when you have two offenses that can score a lot of points, typically a defense that makes a big play forces a turnover or a special teams play could be the difference one way or the other. Chip Walters, play-by-play man for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. And before I let you go, I think I, I owe it to my uh, listeners, to, as we mentioned off-air a while back. You definitively are not the Chip Walter, who was a Missouri uh, basketball player in the mid '90s. That's that I, I can want to make that clear, isn't that right? <laughs> there, there are many different reasons why I'm not that guy. So. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure people hearing your name that's uh, it certainly rung a bell with me. I'm certain it will with others too. I appreciate you being on and giving us a little insight into what Middle Tennessee brings. And like you say, it certainly should be a good game. Certainly should, and uh, and, and I hope that the fans enjoy. All right, thank you very much. Times have changed and times are strange. Here I come, but I ain't the same. Mama, I'm coming home. 
With us now, the managing editor for the Campus Press Box is Seth Marenbloom. Thanks for joining us again, Seth. My pleasure. So it's homecoming week here, and we're playing a uh, Middle Tennessee State team that we don't know too much about. But uh, I think what we can say is that it will be a little bit of a less of a challenge than the past two weeks on the road at LSU in Florida. What are your expectations for the Tigers this weekend after two demoralizing defeats? Well, I mean, I, I do agree that playing Middle Tennessee State will be less of a challenge than and what the Tigers faced on the road against Florida and LSU. But this this middle Tennessee State team, I don't think, is going to nearly be the pushover that, say, Delaware State was or that Eastern Michigan was. I mean, this, this is a team that is that will will be able to score points. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I think you're right that, that uh, we got it a little easy earlier in our non-conference schedule. And while... I think they're certainly a beatable team. One has to wonder what the state of this team's morale is, particularly Drew Locke, who has had two pretty poor outings. You know, as a quarterback, you've got to forget quickly, but you know, I just wonder if he's still got the confidence he had going into the season. Yeah, I mean, as, as a quarterback, you do have to you know, have a, have a short memory and have to be able to forget quickly. But, you know, just considering how atrocious his performance was against Florida, that that's a lot to forget. And uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be tough for him. And it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Xander's Marvin Xander's, you know, did, did get a few more snaps than maybe he's, he's had in the past up until this point. I mean, that, I'm not saying that I think there's a quarterback controversy or that there needs to be a quarterback controversy, but I, Let's talk a little bit about the offense because uh, it has been very troublesome recently and Josh Heupel's tempo pace has caused problems where we, you know, we go three and out and we have possessions that last 45 seconds, puts a lot of pressure on our defense. Do you think this is an issue of we just don't have the talent to run a tempo offense? Do you think the defenses we face, which are top 10 defenses, are just disruptive of it? Or what do you think this Tiger coaching staff has to do going forward with the talent pool we do have to make the Hypel offense work. And I, I do think it's been a, lately, anyway, it's been a combination of the, the caliber of defenses that, the, that this offense has had to, had to face. And it's, it's also a result of just, just an overall lack of talent. I mean, I think those, those up-tempo offenses are, are designed to, um, Balance, balance the scales a little bit when, you know, maybe the talent level that the coaches are dealing with on offense isn't, it isn't up to the level that it, that it needs to be. But with the complete ineptitude of this offense the past couple of weeks, I, I think it magnifies just how great the lack of talent is on the offensive side of the ball right now, particularly with the wide receiver. Wide receivers and the running game, I think, too. You know, Ish Witter has yes. been the main ball carrier to this point, but we're seeing more of Demaria Crockett, and he's listed as an or starter, I think, this week. And fans have been crying for more of Ross, who's been hobbled by injury, or Crockett. And it looks like, I guess to the credit of Odom's staff, they are making adjustments when Pinkle's staff refused to do so in, in difficult years. Yes, you know, that, that is, that, that is something that is, 
Odom does appear to to give some of these younger guys a shot. And you know, Crockett, being a true freshman, is the epitome of, of younger of a younger guy. And you know, it doesn't necessarily bother me that he hasn't had significant playing time up until this point, because being a true freshman as a running back, there, there's so much more to to that running back's responsibilities than just carrying the ball. You have to you know the blocking scheme so you don't get your quarterback blown up. So I, I like how Crockett has been tempered into the starting lineup. Well, I wonder if any of that had to do with some very early season ball control issues as well. He's had some fumbles, and um, nothing gets you kicked off the field faster when you're running back than uh, not being able to hang on to the rock. You know, part part of that you know can just be his uh, adjusting to the speed of the collegiate game after you know playing all of, you know the last four years of, of high school ball. I mean, I, I think the upside for him is, is something for all of us Tiger fans to to look forward to, and I, I think part of that upside is just the size that he brings to the field, even as a true freshman. He, he appears to to have the build and the frame to, to look like a stereotypical SEC running back in a couple of years. Let's move over to the defense now. The defense obviously has been a confusing struggle all year long with the return of several starters, obviously with the big exception of Kentrell Brothers, and you know, a bunch of defensive minds on the coaching staff. This defense has looked bad implementing this new two-gap coverage DeMonte Cross has got. There's been indications that there's been some turmoil in the locker room, that they've had to have sit-downs with them. But, and, and they didn't look terrible against Florida. A lot of the points given up were given on uh, interceptions. But do you think this defense is getting better? And if not, what's the diagnosis for why they've been so bad? Uh, initially, when when a lot of other people were were being critical of, of Cross and Odom for implementing this new scheme, I, I was I was one of the voices that was kind of saying, all right, let's let's slow down a little bit. I don't mind the emphasis that they're placing on on stopping the run and telling the defense, all right, you you learn to stop the run and then we'll let you do all of this other stuff. You know, but you know the the average yards per carry. Of the opposition right now is is not great if if you're a tiger defender. So I, I think at some point they they just they need to let these defensive players do what they do best and what they're most comfortable with. And then you know as they as they move forward into next year and the year after, you know, assuming that the staff is here in two or three years, um, you know, recruiting the players in that that truly fit that they want to to run on defense. There's a lot of talk about the schedule now has a stretch of about four games that are quote-unquote winnable, uh, starting with this Middle Tennessee game. How do you predict that four-game stretch to go? I mean, obviously the Tigers need to win all four if they want to have any hopes of bowl eligibility. How do you think they're going to fare when they face the likes of Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and South Carolina? I, I would hope that they would win all if not win all of those games, uh, appear to be competitive in those games. But with with the offense looking the way that, that it has against SEC competition, and granted, you know, Vanderbilt and South Carolina are, are not on par with Florida and LSU, 
But what a team like Vanderbilt does bring to the field is a really stout defense. And if this Tiger offense in the state that it currently sits now faces a stout defense, whether it's Vanderbilt's or Florida's or LSU's, I don't know how as a Tiger fan we're able to have a lot of confidence in like in that until Drew Locke and company prove that they, they can move the ball and they can get into their own end zone. Give me a prediction for t- for this weekend's game. Uh, how do you think it's going to go? I know the Tigers are about six and a half point favorites. I, I'm I'm going to be a bit of a homer and and say that Missouri wins. It's homecoming. Mm-hmm. It's in you know it's obviously in Columbia because it's homecoming. It, it's it's Middle Tennessee State. I, I don't see. Uh, I hope we don't see a game reminiscent of that Troy game about ten years. Or, or so ago, so I, I'm I'm going to say Missouri in in a high scoring game, you know, something like 45 to 35, 45 to 38, so something something in that in that range. Well, I don't think you get have to be a homer to uh, pick Missouri at home against uh, out of conference opponent like Middle Tennessee State. I think that's a fair assessment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get let you off the hook on there. All right, all right. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Seth. I really do appreciate it. Again. He can be found at Campus Press Box. Thanks again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. Let the rain wash away all the pain of yesterday. I know my kingdom awaits and they've forgiven Well, there you have it, Colin. Seth Marinbloom agrees with us, and the Tigers will win. Chris Walters thinks it's going to be much, much closer. Well, I mean, if uh, you watch the last two games, there's reason for Middle Tennessee to be somewhat optimistic. I yeah. feel like I, I do. Would, I don't want to go play this team at their place. Thank God they're coming to Faro. Yeah, I don't want to play anybody at, on the road at this point. Agreed. Uh, but I think the same way that Mizzou has looked miserable. These last two weeks, it's so it's easy for Middle Tennessee maybe to be a little more confident than they actually should be. I think they may be underestimating the Tigers a little bit just based on their really, really poor performance these last two weeks. But they did give Vanderbilt a run for their money. Vanderbilt just beat Georgia. Um, Vanderbilt beat us last year. So uh, maybe we should be more concerned. They're certainly not a team you should take lightly, that's for sure. I think if, if of all the non-conference teams, that's that's not in doubt at all. Well, yeah, no, hey. Fucking don't take anybody lightly. You know what I mean? You you had 13 yards of offense last week. Your defense is a goddamn you know turnstile. I don't think at this point you're allowed to take Middle Tennessee or anybody else lightly. I agreed. Uh, so if we uh, manage to pull out the win, we'll be uh, three and four. We'll still be winless in conference and heading into that stretch of three games where we, like I said before, we we got to win them. That would put us in a much better looking position. I mean, I just hate being that team in the conference that does, has got a goose egg. Yeah, I'm looking. I I want to see this week. Maybe the Tigers take their foot off the gas a little bit. Again, I like the the fast paced offense, but I don't feel like you have to run it nonstop every series. You can kind of pick and choose your spots. You know, I'd like I'd like to see that. I'd like to see the defense play better. Who knows if they do play really well? If it's an indication of Middle Tennessee being bad or or us improving, but if, if these guys are buying in, maybe the defense will look a little better. Still not happy with the defense, obviously, but if this is 
listen, we've got a dog turd sandwich, and we're really hungry. we got to eat something. You know what I mean? <laughs> DeMonte Cross has got us a dog turd sandwich. That's what there is to eat. We can either starve or we can go for it. So, you know, eat up. Well, we got a, on the other side of the ball on the offense, we've got a giant jug of douche. And, <laughs> and Huge so, douche, Brendan. Huge douche. And so we did see some changes on the defensive side of the ball last week. It didn't do too much, but it gave me a little encouragement. Maybe this coaching staff is willing to tinker a little bit. And I'm yep. curious to see if we're going to see any tinkering on the offensive side. So I guess the crux of it is, is get ready to eat dog turds and chug douche. <laughs> uh, it'll be homecoming for the ages. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, Colin, I guess I'll let you go with that and prepare for a big Saturday matchup at uh, Faroe Field. All right, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Dog turds and chug douche. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.